Well, I think the show writes itself for today. A move that rocked not only the soccer world or globally the football world, not only just the MLS world, uh, it just rocks everything uh, of, of what we think of MLS. And of course, what I mean, Messi is coming to Miami and he's going to be in the MLS. And of course, Union are somewhat involved in that being an MLS team. So we got to talk about that. Union also playing extremely well, though. So we'll talk about those games as well. You're tuned into the Union Soccer Podcast. My name is John Jansen. You can follow me at jjansen34. Also, the star of the show, my co-host, Joe Tanzi at jtanzi90. And you can check out all of his work on the unionsoccerblog.substack.com. I imagine, Joe, there will be some maybe not just Union stuff here. How does... Uh, let's just start with Messi coming over to MLS because I think, you know, how does Messi affect also, you know, union and I imagine going to affect ticket prices and viewership and all of those things uh, that we can tie into the union here, but just initial reaction thoughts when you saw officially, because I saw this many times where I just go, Joe, is Messi really coming to MLS? You're like, don't believe anything yet. And then there was a finally a moment you said, holy, holy bleep. I might have to believe this. Uh, when that moment came to you, what was the initial thought? Yeah, transfer news is believe everything, <laughs> but trust but trust no, no one. <laughs> yeah, believe everything and nothing at the same time. <laughs> Especially when it comes to like, I mean, look, I'm a Manchester United fan, and I'm you know reading stories every day about Harry Kane and Real Madrid, and hoping they're not true because uh, I would love Harry Kane on United and or or Osimhen or whoever, uh, whatever striker du jour is is out there on the on the transfer market this year so that's why it's like it just a regular like transfer story is it's full of twists and turns and disinformation and the whole messy thing look we've been how long we've we been talking about this with miami right it's been it's been a couple of years i would say maybe yeah a few like years. he has been the guy um They've targeted. To me, it's always been Messi over Ronaldo for MLS. It just feels like the the better fit, Um, and we we got that now with Ronaldo being in Saudi Arabia. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think everybody after having a few days to digest the stories know how it it played out, and the romantic in me would have loved to see him back at Barcelona. You are such a romantic, Joe, because it's he shouldn't have had to leave in the first place. Like he, he shouldn't have got, had to gone to PSG in the first place because of, of Barca's whole nightmarish scenario uh, financially. Um, and I, I, I can appreciate Messi saying, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here that, you know, I don't want um, f- however many guys need to be sold by Barcelona for me to return there. I get it. it it's, it speaks to, the differences between him and if this was Ronaldo, he probably would have been like, okay, well, I want to be here. Sorry, suckers. <laughs> like <laughs> whoever gets sold, gets sold. Like, I think it does speak to the kind of a, the difference in the two generational superstars we have on our hands now at the end of their careers. Like Ronaldo took the bag in Saudi Arabia. Um, his time had clearly run out at United. Oh, heck yeah. You think? <laughs> like, like, I mean, going to Juventus, it just everything about Ronaldo being at those clubs, um, him not being on the field made them better. Um, and I'll be honest, I have not really cared much about Ronaldo in Saudi Arabia. Um, I, I know this. this is the new the new thing on the block in the transfer market, but like, yeah, is it immoral and, and all of that, you know, stuff that we can really get into if we want to. Yes. Taking the bag from Saudi Arabia comes with its um, yeah. more moral. But even looking past that, is it right. watchable? So- like, is it something that would right. ever, like, what's the interest? You know, it's not a exactly. league we know. It's not teams we know. Like what, what's the interest here to watch? any of that and the answer I can't, to, to that is resounding nothing like it's right like i can't i can't watch it on tv i can't like 
I'm not going to sit here and. Tell and you're not you going to go out of your way to try and find a way to watch it. Correct. There's already there's already so much soccer. I'm like, okay, if if a guy like Benzema or I think Ngolo Conte's case is even more understandable because he was banged up for he barely played this year, and if if he wants to get an extra couple hundred million in his bank account before he he can no longer play soccer physically. By all means, like I understand that. I'm not saying it's it's right or wrong, but I can understand like the human decision behind at least that case. Ronaldo, Benzema, maybe not, but like in Conte's specific case, I mean, he's damaged goods at this point. Like where where in Europe, I'm sure there'll still be a spot for him somewhere, but he's well past his peak at this point. So, and it's a shame because he when he's 100 healthy and at his best. He's one of the most controlling midfielders in all of soccer. So with Messi, I don't think it was ever about I, – I don't want to say this because I don't know him, obviously don't know him personally, don't know the, anything um, except for what I've seen through the TV. But I don't think it was solely about the money for him. I think it was more about being comfortable um, in a spot he's familiar with in Miami – um, which kind of I, I think kind of speaks to how serious Barcelona was a player in this, even though there was no, it, it made no financial sense for him to even consider Barcelona. Um, so yeah, I think once Guillaume Balaguer put the tweet out, who's been in the inner circle for a while, uh, that's when it became real because you see all these reports out of Argentina and some of the reports in the states, and yes, like. They could be credible information, but there's like a, a list of maybe like five people you trust with that story. And Guillaume Balaguer is, is one of them. So, I mean, it's it's incredible. It's a, a, a fantastic move for Major League Soccer. There's no like other way to, to say it. It's, it's really freaking awesome that Lionel Messi is going to play in MLS. Like, I think it will exceed the Beckham move. Oh, what um, it already has. <laughs> I can't like I can't. I can't physically speak to. I mean, I was in what high school when Beckham came over yes. here. Yes, and look, so, I'm not looking at yeah. it from I knew anything about MLS, but just right. in the way this is covered in the uh, immediacy of how big the news was, this I, I remember when Beckham went over to MLS. It's not, and look that that also means MLS is in a different spot where uh, I think it's newsworthy when MLS gets in. MLS is a, a better league than it was then, but this is a, a bigger league, I would say too. But I, I mean, just seeing the results of Instagram followers on this is absurd. I mean, this right. is this is one of the biggest things to happen to MLS and maybe even in American sports for quite a while. Yeah, my, my favorite thing right now is people who haven't breathed in air or breathed in the MLS like circle in years are all of a sudden coming out of the woodwork as soccer experts to be like, compare this to the Beckham move. Like it's going to be really fascinating just from like an interest standpoint, like yep. people and look, there's a distinction between people who are just genuinely just showing up, say like a, a news station and saying, here's messy. Here's what he means to, to this economic situation. Uh, why is inner Miami getting games moved to hard rock stadium? Why did Charlotte and Atlanta open the upper bowl? Like the, the, the general kind of new stuff. And then you're going to have like the sports people who are like going to all of a sudden claim they're American soccer experts. Um, and you've already seen them who are just going to hop in and be like, well, this is, this is what it actually means to MLS. And they've, they probably couldn't tell you a, a damn thing about MLS since like the last time Beckham played a, a game or, or Zlatan was here or whatever. So like, that's my that's my favorite part is like the people in the American media who are now telling us how we should react, even though we've been involved in the league for forever. Um, I've seen I saw one this morning and I was just like, come on, guys, like I get it. I understand like why you know, you're you're like a national columnist and all that stuff. But I mean, it, it's it's all BS. Like you don't know anything about MLS. And this is me coming from my MLS like snob face for a second. Like. Yes, there are going to be people that are hopping in that are just going to be like, oh, well, this this team conceded three goals to Lionel Messi. They must suck. They must be the worst thing to ever happen to soccer. Um, no, Lionel Messi is just that stinking good. And, oh, by the way, he may need to score like three or four goals 
from just a, a competitive standpoint for Inter Miami to, right. <laughs> to be in this thing, right? So, all right, it's it's going to be awesome. Um, here's what I'll, I'll kind of say about this: is Messi being here is awesome. Messi is doing this uh, that he thinks it's the best um, scenario for himself. Messi owes no obligation to Major League Soccer. He doesn't. Um, MLS is going to roll the red carpet and do everything in its power to make sure Messi is marketed properly and that they make the most off of him commercially. And then like from the sporting standpoint, it will all come together or it won't, you know, the stuff on the field is, is not what the league office can control, but and I know you, you, I, and you, me and Sean talked about this on, on the radio yesterday is, like Messi owes no obligation to like promote this league. Like he's here to play soccer from all accounts. He's a very humble guy in the first place. He's not very um, chauvinistic. Um, he kind of just, he does a lot of talking on the field and look, sure. I would, I like to say he could be the, the number one ambassador for major league soccer. And uh, you know, he's going to just every, every single ad he does, he's going to mention how awesome MLS is. Sure, I'd love that, but that's that's not the case. Like, let's be honest with ourselves. Like, let's look at what this actually is. It's it's the the best soccer player of all time coming to play soccer. He he's not obliged to give any opinions on anyone else um, or promote anyone else abroad. Like, I think the difference here is Messi is going to do all the talking on the field and pretty much that only, and. I think the numbers are going to show. I really do. Um, and look, MLS is going to make sure every every single thing they've been preparing for for the last three years, um, they're going to do and do it with um, a ton of attention with it, um, with Messi. And um, whether that be Apple TV, which all of a sudden gets more eyes on it with MLS season pass, but I don't think that's like the only way. Like, you think Fox is hasn't already called MLS and said, "Okay, how many Lionel Messi games can we get on?" Oh, it changes everything. On Big Fox it changes everything about what games they're broadcasting. Right. Yeah, all, all that where it's like broadcast. you're it going. You're, absolutely everything. You're I look. I have no inside info or anything like that. But if I was, if I was an executive at Fox. I would make sure I get Lionel Messi on my cable station, what, three or four times before the regular season ends? Like, there's there's going to be date changes, time changes, location changes. Uh, I would assume Inter-Miami is going to play at Hard Rock Stadium when the Dolphins aren't using it, uh, just from a, a, a monetary uh, standpoint. I mean, look, you need to play, play at Lincoln Financial Field when he comes in or something. No, what is that's, that's not. I hate. Can I? Can I? Can I just go on a really quick tangent for a second? Go ahead. Go ahead. I. I don't know what I am locked here, but I can't wait to hear it. I absolutely hate when, like, anytime the Union play a big game, so, someone always someone asks, "Oh, do you think they played the game at the link?" No. <laughs> no, it would be. Uh, you want the honest answer why they don't play a, a soccer game at the link? Because they won't be able to fill it. They can they can fill Subaru Park and have extra demands and have people wishing they would have gotten tickets but physically can't. You're not going to get that at the link. Like, I, I've been at the link for U.S. men's national team games, and they don't even like fill the whole damn thing. Like the optics would look so terrible, so so terrible. Uh, on the union, like, oh, you moved a game to the link and, you know, the there are levels that are completely empty. No, you want a packed house. You want it to play to your advantage. You don't want it to be, to sound silent in some capacity. Like, no, the, the union would be, the only way they could ever move a game to the link is if the demand for Messi is is that large. But even when, you know, even in that case, I don't know if it would happen. But I just it's it's one of my pet peeves that like anytime the union play a match of significance, one or two people, it's and it's not it's not really on social media, it's just in person. Like, oh, it's a big game. How come they won't move it to the link? Well, they won't move it to the link for a, a lot of reasons that make a lot of sense from a business perspective. 
And plus it just, it would suck the environment out of, out of the match and what you've curated at Subaru park for how many years now and perfected now that the team is, is this good? Like, no, no, no other, other places. Yes. Because, because of different, you know, motivations. Um, Miami, but they play in a, in a temporary stadium, an hour away from South beach. Like, yes, they're going to move games to hard rock stadium because they can make more money off of an, you know, instead of in, in a 18,000 with 20, whatever the, the capacity is at, at, at uh, Fort Lauderdale. Um, the NFL stadiums already built in like Charlotte and Atlanta moving uh, or opening the upper bowls makes sense because they already play in stadiums that size. Um, but the New York Red Bulls aren't going to move their game to giant stadium or MetLife, MetLife or, you know, we call it now, but they're not going to move their game to the Meadowlands just because, you know, Messi shows up. No, because uh, mainly because people don't go to Red Bull Arena in the first place. I think that's a bad <laughs> comparison, but, um, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like not every team is going to move to the NFL stadium just because, because Messi shows up or it's a big game. It's a novelty they, that San Jose sometimes does. Um, but like playing at the Rose Bowl once is cool or playing at the, they play once at Stanford and they, they played at the, the Niners stadium, like for a one-off to get like a lot of ticket sales for a team that may not draw like the union. Sure. But the, the union don't need the link at least in the last you know five years since they've been good. They have no reason to even consider that conversation. Yeah, I think they should just have it at Subaru Park because it's a great stadium. I like it. They should actually Good. build a state. They should build a stadium and uh, where the Sixers are supposed to, right? That, that would. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that would yeah, solve yeah, all their yeah, problems yeah. in Chinatown. Am I, I'm sure. Yeah. Am I, yeah. Am I opening all the the Philadelphia stadium? Yeah. No. No. Let's, now? let's do that. Let's do that. Um, and then, like, uh, the Sixers can bring in a WNBA team. The um, the 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 union can bring in the uh, NWSL team, and then bam, we're good, we're good to go. Uh, right. All right, and yeah, we we since we solved that problem, uh, what's I, I mean, there's so many layers to this messy thing, uh, right? Like you, you mentioned the broadcast one, you know, obviously mentioning like, you know, Charlotte's going to be opening up. I think that was planned anyway, but you know, Messi is going to bring in this certain audience and this big audience at a big platform and all of that. What layer, though, of this are you most interested in to see? Is it the way the MLS handles this, the on-field stuff, and you know how he plays in MLS? I, I just what what layer of this? Because there's so many we can go to, and we don't have that much time to do all of that. Like this could be a two, three-hour podcast, you know, dealing with Messi. But what what are you interested most um, about this story and about Messi coming into MLS? Right, we can do this how it all two- kind of works, I guess, and, and plays yeah. out. Yeah, right. We could do this for two or three hours, and people have probably already listened to like their favorite soccer podcast about. Oh, I know I'm, exactly. I'm sure. I'm sure Roger Bennett and Ray Hudson have had a hyperbole off. Oh, we're uh, much better about, than those guys. Are about Lionel me? Messi. We are the mecca uh, of soccer here, not those guys. Are you kidding me? God, I could only imagine what that conversation is like. There's Roger Bennett holding a a Budweiser in his hand with about five other. Yeah, I think was he on items. CBS talking about this with like a union um, jacket on? <laughs> Yeah, it's like <laughs> between, awesome. between him and then and Ray Hudson having an orgasm every time Messi touches the ball. I would love to just like be <laughs> be a fly on that a fly on the wall in that room when the if the two of them talk about Messi together because like the hyperbole in that room would just be it's already too much to handle. But I mean, <laughs> it would just be like wow, you guys just really just can't shut up and can't like talk soccer talk, talk about soccer in a normal voice and i love like i used to love men and blazers but like when you're you're using a, a per- hyperbole for like how newcastle drew like blackbird rovers in the carabao cup like i like it's a little too much it got too much for me a long time ago um and then ray hudson is, is ray hudson i mean he's gonna scream orgasmically when leon Lionel messi touches the ball and and he's going to at least be creative with his hyperbole, but that would be God, that would be probably the most unlistenable soccer podcast <laughs> ever. If, no, if that's, Roger, us. that's yeah, us for sure. That is true. That is true. <laughs> we're just, we're just two schmucks complaining. We're just about two idiots shit. ranting about things. Um, so 
on field, look, Inter-Miami is in last place in the Eastern Conference. Um, you, me, and, and nine somewhat athletic listeners could probably get into the MLS playoffs this year because uh, they let nine teams in. And, uh, you just have to be like below average to make the playoffs. And then it's, it's the playoffs. Anything can happen. And when you have Lionel Messi, who's going to be far and away the best player on the field against anybody you play, yeah, <laughs> you can do some damage. Which is why I was like concocting like the funniest possible scenarios. And look, if I was an FC Cincinnati fan, if I was a Nashville fan, heck, if I'm even a Union fan in this situation, I'm kind of crapping my pants because yes, you can you can go off and, and say, sure, our defenses are that good, and, and Miami's defense is that bad, and if you try and negate Messi, you can win. Sure, you could do that. Just get Messi. Martinez on Messi. Just, just uh, agitate the the bleep out of him. I would actually love to see that. <laughs> um, I, that's the that's the first thing I thought of. Like, what's the mm-hmm. first time Messi has the ball? Right. Martinez, but not him. not in a not in a postseason game because there's like an <laughs> no. automatic yellow waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I but can't like, wait that's... to see how it's officiated. Yeah, it's a good. Oh point. yeah. <laughs> oh man. You think it's going to be breathe on Messi? Yeah, it's right. Like, yeah, penalty kick. <laughs> You you touch on our fifty million dollar investment. You you're going right to the showers. <laughs> you know I can't wait for the first game he plays and the first favorable call he gets and somebody like complains like like you were actually going to get you know have anything else happen in that situation. Messi, I I would love to see the yellow cards earned by Messi. Like I don't know how many games he's going to play in the regular season, but that tally has got to be like I think probably one and a half per game. I think if you're if you bet on soccer, um, <laughs> I would bet on the yellow card markets on some of these teams playing Messi. Because man, I, if there are plus money on some of the, some of the guys like Jose Martinez in the league, you might you might just be like padding your bankroll immediately with with how how much of a whistle Messi might get. Um, in all serious though, look, they're six points out of a playoff spot. Let's do the the math here. Miami's got to play what probably five or six games until the the league's cup. Um, so they have to just patch it all together and hope it hope it doesn't completely fall apart. Um, I think if you're Miami, you maybe think if we can stay within ten points of ninth place, you have a shot because the rest of the Eastern Conference is so bad. And if you have a game game changer like Messi. Um, you'll be able to to pick up some points. Now their their defense is atrocious. Um, their midfield has had a hole in it. it. It's it's not great. Nothing is great uh, at Inter Miami right now. But when you add Lionel Messi to the equation, and if he can score two or three goals a game, and he does take it a hundred percent serious uh, in a way that Slaton did, look, anything's possible. So the on the on field thing is is fascinating because I know people are, including myself, getting the jokes off that Inter Miami is in last place, third to last in the supporter shield. But uh, I wouldn't want to be a, a Cincinnati, Nashville, or or Union defender going up against Messi in a best of three playoff series. Because what happens if he, if he just unloads on you and you have a bad game? I, your season could be done in by a an awful playoff system, but b. <laughs> Lionel Messi like that's that's the on-field component that once he gets going and I guess the league play the league matches he won't won't will participate and won't be until August because of of League's Cup which is I guess a good thing for everyone else but that that's that's gonna be fascinating Inter-Miami like the message in the locker room and they have an interim coach right now Javier Morales who's uh, one of the most underrated playmakers ever to play in MLS. Um, and who knows if he's still going to be around when Messi is, there's rumors of Tata Martino being in and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, you need to stay within 10 points of ninth place. If you're into Miami and this is not an inter Miami podcast, but this is a Messi centric podcast. Now how it affects the union. Look, going for the supporter shield and the number one seed in the Eastern conference 
are still paramount. They are still your goals. You have to chase them. Man, and it feels like they're going to reach those. I, I know, like, it's a long way to go. And Yeah, I don't want to dismiss Cincinnati. But I think I said this in the last podcast. And, man, it just it keeps feeling like it. Like, they're on a roll. And right. it, it's going to be tough to stop that momentum, even a team like Cincinnati. Uh, because once the union roll like this, I mean, it's I don't even know if Cincinnati's going to be able to show enough resistance to to stop the momentum. I mean, when well, the I union are the, this when the union are this good, they are they are one of, if not the best teams, at least in the Eastern Conference, are the best team when they play like this. But mm-hmm. uh, in MLS, they're they're the best team when they play like this. Right. But, the the union have a, a pretty treacherous schedule over the next few months too. That's that's might slow them down a little bit, but. Um, I mean, I, I already foresee the conversation happening in, say, September, late September and, and all of October. And it's going to be with the Cincinnati press, the Nashville press, us up here in Philly. If Inter-Miami goes on this run we think they could go on and gets up from, you know, right, gets up to right around the red line. Now they, they would have to play in the 8-9 playoffs first and foremost so that it's hard to kind of manage. But say if if Cincinnati, Nashville, and the Union are all within, say, five to six points of each other entering October, and there's a clear drop-off to, say, New England or whoever the, the next challenger may be, like if, it, if it's very clear that you could be the, the two seed, do, do you go for the, the top spot? Now, I think the caveat here is LAFC has a lot of games in hand. And if LAFC gets on a run and they take over the supporter shield, I think the conversation becomes a little bit easier, but uh, it, it really does play this competitive question in your head because now Cincinnati and Nashville, I think would, would want to go after the supporter shield. I think the union would as well. They would at least admit it in, in person. That's just the mentality of this team. Heck, they're not even thinking about the the next game, even if it's if it's Champions League. But I mean, doesn't that go into your head? Like naturally, if you see Inter Miami in eighth or ninth, and you're going to be the number one seed, like I'm not saying it, it stops you from winning the supporter shield, but it at least begs the question: if your loftier goal is MLS Cup, and in the Union's case, you can make an argument it is. Because that's the trophy that escaped has escaped you. You've won the supporter shield. Do you just say, "Hey, we're going to back off in the final game. We'll get the two seed. We'll be on the opposite bracket of Messi, no matter what. And the only way we would play him is in the Eastern Conference Final at home." I'm fascinated. I don't know if. Yeah, and are you saying this out of like? Hey, you just want to avoid Messi anyway, you know, yeah. e- even if Miami's like whatever, or is this like Miami is just going to be that good? You know, what, what, I guess, what should the expectation of Miami be? Is it just, they got Messi now and now they're, you know, gonna, gonna be MLS cup bound and it's going to be tough to stop that train. Um, what, what is, what is that expectation? Because I'm, I am fascinated by that. Obviously they're going to score more goals and Messi, like Messi is still a very good player and he's going to score goals and it's, it's going to be um, quite a show to watch, but does that automatically mean like, Hey, Miami is this great team now and they're going to, they're going to end up, you know, getting to MLS cup. Like what, what, what is that expectation? The whole, look, the whole dynamics can be fascinating, which is why I'm bringing up all of these like on field possibilities. Yeah. Uh, Now that we've had a a few days to kind of ruminate on, because look, the, the, bare minimum expectation for Lionel Messi at Inter-Miami in 2023 is to make the playoffs. Nine teams get it. And like I said, if they, if they get, if they are still within 10 points of ninth place uh, by the break for the league's cup, which is when Messi's reported earliest debut would be in league's cup. Um, you're looking at August. So you're basically looking at the last nine or 10 games of the MLS regular season and teams that have not had Lionel Messi and players far less talented than Lionel Messi, or maybe even half as talented as Messi have gone on runs at the end of regular seasons in major league soccer before. Now it's different because you have this break for leagues cup in, in July and early August, but it was going to be a fascinating dynamic in play here where do do the, the players from inner Miami 
elevate their games because of who's on the field with them. Uh, is is Messi just going to bring his his band of brothers with him? Is it are are Sergi Busquets, Luis Suarez, and Jordi Alba just going to show up in MLS uh, on August fifteenth with him and say, "Hey, we're going to do this our way, the Barca way," and then Inter Miami can do it their way in, in 2024. Like um, h- how do you a circumvent the MLS roster? It's going to be funny when Luis Suarez is made. And how do the Indian counter? <laughs> you, you, Luis Suarez is going to be making a hundred K a year at inner Miami. And the rest is going to be made in endorsements just so we can play with Messi again. Um, you laugh. That's probably what's going to happen because oh, come on, they're, they're going to circumvent the rules. Look, it, look, if you're a complete idiot, if you don't think MLS is going to circumvent all of their roster. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. But like, come on, man. The union have been doing this like the right way. They're making great moves. Right. And, it's and that's like, what, oh, the, now you lose because these guys just want to play. Miami. And that's what makes it so funny from like the outside perspective is Inter Miami has just been an absolute dumpster fire trying to build their roster from the beginning. I mean, the reason why Julian Carranza is with the union right now is because Inter Miami, the dumbest organization in right. MLS. The, the, the Blaze Matuidi situation, he was here for maybe a hot second and that's it. But they were over on DPS. Uh, they had to, they had to cut their or rehash their entire roster um, when Phil Neville took over, and we saw how long that lasted. But Carranza was a casualty of that. You know, they signed him. I think he was one of their first signings before they were a team, um, and they were to build with young South Americans and, and all this. And and now we're at the point where it's just like you know Higuain's come through. Uh, Matt Tweedy was here for a very hot second. Uh, Lionel Messi's now here, and he's going to bring his his cast of characters with him. Um, assuming that's the case, I, w- I would think he's got some type of say uh, in in who shows up in Miami in the next few uh, weeks and months. But Inter Miami's incompetence has been the union's uh, fortune. I mean, they're going to make the most money off of Julian Carranza. Uh, they've done this the right way. They've done it organically and they've gotten guys that have just been really, really good in this league. And I guess it kind of goes back to Ernst Tanner's comments last year about Gareth Bale and, and LAFC. Um, something similar to that, maybe even more obvious is going to happen with Inter Miami. And we're all just going to have to shut up and, and like it because a Messi's here. Um, would you rather the, the counter would be, well, would you rather Messi not be here? <laughs> like uh, I know right yeah that's, that's just the counter and it's unfortunate yeah. and that's just uh, that's why I always say this is one of the dumbest nonsensical professional sports leagues in the world maybe the dumbest because we we just make up rules as we go here and there's a, a new set of rules every year I mean the you have to have like a PhD to understand every MLS roster rule. <laughs> like, and even then you probably are like dumbfounded by some of the stuff in the rule book. Like it, it's just, I kind of, I've kind of given up on that, that part and be like, okay, well who, who fits where in the roster and how does it affect me? Um, and that's it. But yeah, it's, they're going to find ways around this. Come on. Like it's, if, if Messi says Luis Suarez, uh, well, uh, well can I Miami ask then, is that the MLS should should have never had these rules in place in the first place? Or like, are they, is it fine to be changing your rules a bit to allow something as big as this to happen? Like, I, what, think what, that, I guess, what is the yeah. best way to do it without, without, right, you, like completely changing everything the way that they have? I think it's, it's worked to a degree. Uh, I think some of the, some of the stuff like the allocation order was pretty dumb. Um all these postseason acquisition mechanisms, like the lack of free agency was dumb. Um, but I think some of the stuff has kind of evolved with time. Like some things the league needed to have in place so that it wasn't Manchester city or Bayern Munich just running the show. Um, but also it, it's been very clear that they've, they can and put a blind eye to that. I mean, so look, I think it the rules serve serve a purpose until they don't. Is kind of the best way I can describe 
MLS rules without kind of, and I know a lot of people listening have, are well, uh, more well-versed in, in MLS rules and regulations than I am, but it kind of just like from a, a layman's term, like it feels like the rules are in place for reason until they're not. <laughs> and then they can either be, they can either evolve into like this, this U22 initiative um, or extra designated players and, and, and all that uh, target allocation money w- was huge. Um, so like they have evolved it, but it's some of the stuff is still archaic. And I mean, look, it, it, it is what it is at this point. I'm not going to put up that fight. I'll let other people do that. But yeah, it, it does kind of speak to um, the uniqueness of the situation that um MLS is probably going to bend over backwards for Messi. And look, I look, I don't, I don't blame them. I really don't. But I think it's it's pretty evident that this was going to happen anyway. So, uh, I mean, what what the hell are we going to do about it? Like, we're going to go outside the MLS office in New York and, and protest Don Garber. Are we going to like cancel our, our MLS season pass subscriptions? <laughs> no, because they're going to say, well, uh, okay, no, because nice. we didn't have him anyway. Right. Well, that too. Yeah. <laughs> but they're going to say, no, we, we don't, we don't need you Jim from the Northeast because uh, I'm just making that name up um, because we have, I don't know, a thousand Argentinians who are going to sign up to MLS season pass because uh, for every one of you, there's a thousand of them wanting to watch Messi, and it's the only way they can watch Messi. So, I mean, look, it's, Kind of is what it is. I've I learned that a long time ago with MLS, and and I'll give you the example. I was um, was at breakfast this morning with my, my with my wife's family, and uh, my mother in law like blissfully ignorant with the soccer, and she was like, "Is is Louis Messi coming in, or what's his name, Lionel Massey, or whatever?" And it was it was just <laughs> it was just very like funny and just like not. Um, Obviously, she doesn't know a thing about soccer, and that's okay. Um, but then she was like, "Well, how did it happen?" And I kind of just like shrugged my head, and I'm like, I don't know, "It's it it's a lot." Like, <laughs> like try to try to explain MLS roster rules to a, a a person who has no knowledge of the league, and you get them confused in like I don't know, fifteen seconds. Like uh, that that should be a, a new game at the bar. <laughs> how long can you explain the MLS roster rules to somebody until they uh, look at, look at you like you're insane? Not even and worth it. Not even worth no, because it'll happen in like a minute. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's move on from the messy thing. I think we've done enough of that, Joe. We're yeah, union is... soccer podcast. I don't know if you know that, Joe. We, I was uh, just going to say, this is the, the union, union soccer podcast. Yeah. We should probably. <laughs> yeah. We should probably talk about the union. I don't know. Right. Maybe that's a, that's a thought. All right. So, Joe, the Union have been awesome uh, over their last really freaking good matches. Really good. Uh, what's what's been the difference? I guess let's just go there. I know we talked about this a bit, but what what has you think been the difference for the Union? Because that Montreal game again, we were hoping for more offensive consistency, better offensive play, and they come back have this three nothing game against Montreal. Montreal looked terrible, so I will say that. Um, but you know, offense looked good. What has been the difference, you think? And I think, to, to me, just to start, I, I think it's at the top. I think Karanta, Uwa, and Gazdag together, it's not just one of them playing well. I think all three are playing extremely well and playing extremely well off of each other. Right, and it speaks to the point that Jim Curtin has made year after year, whereas if the collective is playing well together, they're unbeatable. But if one or two guys has an off night, the collective just breaks apart and it doesn't look cohesive. That's that's what we've seen. And if, if you apply that statement to the, the 2023 MLS regular season, it makes perfect sense. I mean, it does, it does start with those three and it's not just the scoring goals or setting up chances. It's the, it's a defensive work. It's being able to, um, create these transition moments and do everything that looked so easy to them in 2022. That that's where it comes from. I think it even like goes back to the, the midfield. I mean, the way we had our, our Leon flock appreciation hour 
last last week, but it really does start with him and Jose Martinez and Jesus Bueno and the ball winning and just not letting the opponent get onto the ball and do anything with it. Now, I will say this, the Montreal game, Montreal was very clearly focused on the Canadian championship uh, on Wednesday. They threw out a lineup that even Jim Curtin didn't think they would throw out. It was very kind of pieced together. So the Union did they were, did what they were supposed to do. They won 3 nothing. probably could have scored five or six more. Julian Carranza missed a sitter that would have given him a hat trick. So I think what we're taking away from the Montreal game is they played well enough to beat a team that clearly had no interest in even playing for a draw, but they could have been so much more lethal. And I think that's the, the part that I think we're maybe forgetting at, at this point is they're playing really well, but they're maybe playing at 80% of what they were last year, 85. Like, the bar, it, it's progressively getting there to, to 2022, but it's it's not there yet. And no one in that locker room would, would say it is. Uh, but it, it's gotten from, say, about 20% of what they were back in March and in April. I mean, compare and contrast the two Montreal games. I mean, the the Montreal game up, up there was just a complete debacle. Uh, we had the, the red card to Carranza and then everything just fell apart in in goal. I mean, it was atrocious. It was far from the, the Philadelphia Union. And now you get a, a few months later, you get this. So I think it's it's progression, but it's also getting back to, to where they were. They, they never... They never came into the season thinking they were going to drop a level. Like they knew what they were going to be. It's just taken them time to get to that point, and, and now they are. And now, this is going to be a really interesting few games in front of us. And I'm I'm fascinated to see how it all plays out because you had moving parts in May with McGlynn, Sullivan, and Brandon Craig going off to the U-20 World Cup. And Alejandro Bedoya has been hurt, and Jose Martinez was hurt. And they managed those stretches very well. Jim Curtin displayed his tactical flexibility. Yeah, not formation. just very well. They may have found like a formation right. that like truly works outside of what they normally do. Right. But now, here and here is the challenges of, of the 34-game MLS season. Andre Blake and Damian Lowe are about to go off to the – to the gold cup with Jamaica. They play two friendlies in Austria. Uh, well, you're not going to survive that. that. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, you're, you're that's more lose. because of low than Blake, you know? <laughs> right. But no, I'm just kidding. Olivier Baez is not playing on Saturday. He's playing in a friendly for, for Cameroon or, or at least hopes to, to play. That's why they're releasing him. Um, you're going to see international absences here and there, but the big ones are, are low and Blake going for the gold cup. I don't think any, I don't believe any union players even made the preliminary roster for the gold cup, which is, it's tough to, it's tough to justify including U 20 players. after they just played at the U 20 world cup and telling their clubs, Hey, we need them for another three weeks at the gold cup. Um, and I don't even know if they're at, if McGlynn would be at that level yet. Um, so now, now it's in, in very, it's a very interesting dynamic now. And I believe Jose Jose Martinez is suspended for the the it's his fifth yellow card um, against Montreal late. Jim Curtin wasn't happy with that, with the ref not knowing the situation, all that. But that's besides the point. It's a Jim Curtin rant, not mine. Um, <laughs> so it, it now you're integrating Jack McGlynn. Quinn Sullivan and Brandon Craig back into the lineup. And I include Brandon Craig because if you're going to play three at the back over the next six weeks, he has to be included in some capacity. You can play Kai Wagner there. You can play Matt Real there. You can play Nathan Harriel there. But if, if Brandon Craig, who is really good at the U20 World Cup, is now ready for minutes, you put him in there with the, in this back three and you see how it functions. You also now have to figure out how Jack McGlynn functions in this three, four, one, two, the diamond three, like whatever your formation is. So as much as they've been on in cruise control, now a different alteration of the union is about to enter our, our universe 
groups for the next month or so. And there was some, some just tough road trips. I mean, going to San Jose is tough. Um, then you have the 11 days off, but then you have to go to Orlando, play in, in some humidity, and then come back home on short rest and play Miami. Um, there's road games in, in L.A., Atlanta, Nashville. There aren't many home games before League's Cup. Uh, which then you'll get to play at home and you'll get everybody back. So I'm very fascinated now to see how Jim Curtin manages this whole thing. And I think it, it starts with the Orlando game in, in a week and a half. I don't think you're going to see much variation with the San Jose game because Lowe and Blake are still going to be in there. Um, and I think you also have to consider like the U20 guys. I think they got back Tuesday or Wednesday. Long flight from Argentina to stop in Miami. So it's a long day of travel. And then they have to put more travel on their legs to one of the longest flights of the season out to San Jose. And even though the Union traveled an extra uh, or, or a day early out there, it's still tough to, to put 90 minutes on your legs in an MLS match. So uh, to me, I'm not saying the San Jose game is a wash because points matter and you know, who knows – you know, Jim Curtin has already made the, the statement about three or four times now that one goal, one point, one goal conceded could be the difference in winning the supporter shield because of what happened last year with LAFC. Absolutely. So, but I yeah. mean, they're at the point with the run that they just went on, like, hey, get a point here. Like, yeah, get a point, come out of that, you know, somewhat unscathed. And um, I think really try for at least an Orlando City in the next game. You got some time off and stuff like that. But I think right. San Jose, look, you put yourself in a good of enough position recently with what you've done. Mm-hmm. Like, look, it's not saying try just for a point. But, hey, if you come away with a point, I think it's a perfect result for them. Right. And I think it also, everything I just said in the last five minutes, everything is gets a little easier because you have those 11 days off. Now, sure, they're going to have a few days off just to regroup and I mean, it's been a really long stretch between now and uh, the start of the season and, and now. But they're going to have a few days off. And then I'm sure Jim Curtin is already thinking, like, how how best to integrate Jack McGlynn, how best to integrate Quinn Sullivan. And and what does Brandon and Craig bring as a, a center back at the MLS level? Um, it's one thing to dominate U-20s, but you, you got to step up against – older players and, and make an impact that way. And I, I, I hope we do see Brandon Craig get, a, get some minutes in the second half of the season uh, because of that. Now, the other thing is the goalkeeper situation. Is it Joe Bendick? Is it Holden Trent? Jim Curtin. Holden is, Trent. <laughs> Jim Curtin has not named who's going to be Blake's replacement yet. Um which I think he's done in, in previous years when he's been away with Jamaica, um, <clears throat> which worries me. Like, what is it? And the decision is usually down to Phil Wedden, the goalkeeping coach, who, who will talk with Jim Curtin. Well, Phil's going off to the, uh, the Nations League with the U.S. men's national team to help out B.J. Callahan. Um, so I... I assume the decision's already been made, but um, maybe a few days earlier than they wanted to. Um, we'll probably find out. I hope. Usually, usually Jim Curtin reveals who who wins the backup goalkeeper battle. I'd assume it's Joe Bendick, but he might throw us a curveball with Holden Trent. Who knows? Um, but that's kind of that's that's where that's at. That's the the biggest thing, and we saw it was a drop off when Dravis hurt earlier in the season. Um, but we'll get to that point next week when it's a massive talking point. But I'm, I'm fascinated to see how these guys operate. Um, is it a flat three-man midfield, maybe, with McGlynn, Flock, and Martinez? Um, does it differ home and away? Do you go back to a four-man back line now, and do you load up the midfield? I think that's, that's the possibility we see where he plays Glesnes and Elliott most of the games at center back. Maybe every once in a while throws Brandon Craig out there and is like, well, we have literally a crap ton of midfielders. Let's just let them do what they do best. And, and if Bedoya comes back in, in that cycle of games, um, he was doing work on the side on Wednesday when I was down there. So that's a positive sign that he's not um, inside anymore. He's doing work outside. I mean, 
it's kind of like a submit your best midfield formation, right? There's going to be a, a lot of hard decisions coming up for Jim Curtin. Um, and he said this on, on Saturday, not just for the 11, for the match day squad. I mean, the, the depth is pretty unreal now that we've seen it up close. And um, I, I certainly don't envy Jim Curtin on what, um, what formations and what personnel he's going to use, uh, not just for the next month, but for the rest of the season. Because it, it's going to get really competitive for playing time. So I think coming up for the union here, as I think you just mentioned, a bit of a tough stretch with some road games. You only have one home game in like your next five games. Yeah. What what needs to happen here in, in this stretch? Because you mentioned, I mean, it's, it's going to be a really tough stretch for them. And look, they actually have, I think, five road games in their next it's five. Yeah. It's five. The next six. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a lot. The good thing is you have four straight home games after that one is just, or two are leagues Cubs, So that doesn't, mm. but you have two straight home games in league play. Um, but what, what should be the expectation here? Cause that's, that's rough. And you also have um, Orlando city in there, Atlanta, Nashville, you know, Eastern conference opponents um, look LA galaxy and San Jose. I, I don't think, you know, too much other than just West coast and, and travel. Mm-hmm. But what what should be the expectation here? Because they just had a really good stretch of games, and I'm sure they're going to want to continue that. But, man, this is a gauntlet they're going to be on. And just because, look, you're on the road so much. I mean, it had an effect on them before they just had, you know, all of these home games. They talked right. about being on the road and being on the road for Opens Cup and um, being on the road for Champions League and all that. So what should be – what what do we expect here in this? My gut reaction before even, like, this, you know, breaking down the opponents, yeah, is ten points. I, um, that would be what ten out of eighteen. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair. Uh, I mean, look, you're gonna, so you could beat the Galaxy. The Galaxy are just in, in complete shambles. You could win that game. You can you can beat Miami at home. And you can let's assume they they beat let's let's lump the NYC game in here and make it seven because um, that's kind of the stretch we're in until until Leagues Cup. This is the stretch in, in front of us. It's a a month and five days. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say 15 points from the next 21 puts you in remarkable shape. Um, anything less than 10 would be a, a massive disappointment with the way they're playing. Um, but if you can get more than half and maybe 75% of that as well, I think it, it sets you up for a really good stretch run and whatever happens in the league cup, league's cup happens then. But um, I, you, can, you can beat the Galaxy and, and win your two home games. So there's nine points. Um, let's say Nashville's a draw. So that's, what, 10? So that puts you at Orlando, Atlanta, and San Jose as to use the – the political term, your, your swing games, like your swing votes. Um, I think they can beat Orlando, but do the elements play a role in that? Um, I think they can beat Atlanta because they've, they've gone down there. That used to be the big bugaboo for the union going into Atlanta <laughs> no longer. Um, Atlanta is going to be a tough team to play. Um, Yakumakis is playing fantastic. Tiago Amato, who knows if he's going to be there by then. Um, but they they can go strength for strength them and attack. Um, the San Jose game I think is a toss up. I think if you get a draw out of it, uh, it's a good result. If you get a win, I mean that that's kind of then that kind of pushes your expectations right because Jim Curtin is the line that we all clung to after the Toronto FC game was he set a, a ten point mark for the team in that stretch of however many games it was, there's been so many, I can't remember how many games there were. <laughs> um, but I think that's kind of how you have to approach it too. You set a target point total. And if you get there uh, before the end of the stretch, uh, you keep pushing. So I think I'll say between 12 and 15 points from these next seven games before leagues cup, it's mm-hmm. a tough stretch, but if you're, if you're going to be a top two team, in the Eastern conference, maybe top one, you have to prove it on the road. Like they, they've built up this, 
this stockpile of, of home wins, but now I think they're tied for a second in road wins in the league. Go out and win some of these games. You know, I think that's kind of the, the proving stick because the, the rest of the, the season after League's Cup is not hard. It very much is not. There's a lot of home games. Um, the travel isn't really taxing. Like they can, they can easily go on a run post League's Cup. But this is another tough stretch of the schedule with a lot of travel um, and teams that are going to test you. Nashville's going to test you. Atlanta's going to test you. Orlando is going to test you and, and NYC is like, these are some big kind of litmus tests for those teams in the Eastern conference too. And, and look, San Jose is, has drastically improved from two years ago. Uh, that's going to be a, a test and it's going to be a really hard game. Um, so yeah, I think that's, if you were to ask for my gut reaction, 12 to 15 points, the next seven, and then, whatever league's cup is and, and turns into you, you run with it then, but right now it's everything looks good. You have to set the bar high. You should. And the union have set the bar high themselves. And that's the kind of team that they are. Uh, so, all right, Joe, I, I think with the union, you know, attack has been uh, what we talked about a lot. And I just said, you know, I, I think the three have been playing very well. Uh, has, has this recent stretch, uh, giving you more confidence, you know, just the last time we talked, it was, you know, they're in good form. They're not their best yet. Are, are we getting the best out of the union right now? Or you still think there's still a little bit more untapped here that the union can get into? We are. I mean, like I said earlier, they're like 80, 85% right okay. now yeah. what they were. Um, I the, the, the quote that keeps coming back to me from, I guess over the last three games is the, the famous Dennis green quote, RIP. Um, they are who we thought they were. Like, that's what I just keep thinking of the union. Like, this team is, is showing exactly what they, yep. what we all thought they would be. It's just it took a little time because there was a lot going on at the start of the season. And uh, I think that the word of the season right now to me is, is patience because it's, it's, it's actually showing to be a, a, a real thing. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I stand with them. Like, I don't think the sky was falling early. I mean, I, to make the comparison, because I was just tweeting with a few of our guys at the Gambler last night about the Phillies. It's like, I mean, the, and this is what we do as a fault as, as Philadelphia sports fans. But I mean, with the Phillies, you guys are treating it like a 162 is 17. Oh, yeah. Like you're, you're, li- you're living and dying with every pitch Aaron Nola throws. I know. Like- I was seeing it. La- I was seeing it uh, in one of the games, too. It was the last game when they swept Detroit. And uh, they were down 2-1 <laughs> and just gave up a run. And it's like, you know what? This is why just the Phillies aren't good. And then they came back and won the game. We're like, oh, okay, you know, they're fine. They're good. Everybody like, yeah, I just saw like, I think it was Luke said. <laughs> like, it, we're going that... half inning by half inning now. <laughs> right. I think it was Luke, our, our, our Phillies guy, said that the Phillies are rolling. I'm like, you barely beat the Detroit Tigers in three straight games. Hey, Phillies are rolling. Uh, at least rolling more than the Mets are. The Mets look like complete poop. Well, I mean, that's... <laughs> The Braves are awesome, but that's this is yes, not a baseball but podcast. blowing three plus run leads. <laughs> but no, I, yeah, it's I, I know what you mean. It's well, just like, a, it's, it's, our, our expectations are high right. for teams, and when they're high, any little misstep becomes a, okay. Well, now they're going in the wrong direction, and every it feels like every misstep they're like, oh, we're ta- they're taking five, six step back. When maybe it's just hey, they're taking a small step back. There's right. room ahead to take three, four giant steps forward. Like it's going to be okay. And I think with the yeah. union, yeah. yeah, I mean, especially because it was. You know, all of these things were happening in, you know, April and May. And mm-hmm. we kind of know from previous years. And not to say it doesn't matter. Not to say it doesn't matter. But I think June is when you really start to matter. And like end of right. May, coming into the summer months. And you, it's, it's like, like really all the moving happens in those months. You can't win the championship in April and May. You can very much lose it. But right. and the, like the they, union did not lose it, obviously. No. And like it's like the... I still, and to use the Phillies comparison, it's like, okay, they're playing the Dodgers this weekend. And if they lose two out of three or get swept, the sky is going to be falling again. Like, oh, no, duh. You just played the, the Dodgers and the Tigers. Like, of course, like those things are going to balance out. And then like, who knows what will happen in July or August or September? Like there's, 
there's still so much runway for them. And and the same thing is with, with the union. I think that's what you kind of have to, to preach it or what we did preach is there's, there's so much runway left for them. Like if we sat here today and said, well, the union are still struggling. They, they're only winning at home and they're only winning one, nothing. And they're in like fifth or sixth place. And Cincinnati is so far ahead of them. 15, 16 points ahead. It, you know, that's when I think you could hit the panic button, but they've proven that, yeah, we're they're still a really good team. And I think the, that everybody in that locker room knows that Jim Curtin knows that. And it just took some time for it to show. Now they still have some ground to make up on Cincinnati. Sure. And look, the supporter shield is a hundred percent within reach right now. Um, take my messy hypothetical out of it from the earlier in the podcast, but a trophy is there and a trophy is a trophy. LAFC still has a ton of games in hand from their Champions League run. So that's going to be, that's going to even itself out up until probably August or September uh, with games in hand. If you keep, just keep winning your games, you know, I, I asked the guys in the locker room the last few times uh, for home games, like, are you guys paying any attention to the standings yet? And Jim, Jim gave the more honest answer. Like Jim Curtin was very open and said, yeah, we are. Um, you have to take a look at, at who's who's in front of you, what's going on around you. Some of the players, not so much. They're more focused on the the next game, just win the next game, and and we'll move up from there. Um, so I think that that comes down to individual mentalities. But it, it really is fascinating now that we're we're sitting in this in this position talking about the union, and they're clearly a top three team in the East. They get a chance to prove at full strength or as close to full strength as you can, uh, can be against Nashville in a few weeks. Um, unfortunately, the, you know, the road game in Cincinnati kind of is what it is. It's middle of the champion, middle of champions league and you threw the kids out there. Um, so that's not going to be a point of reference, but I mean, you just got to keep doing what you're doing and remember, Hey, if you finish second to Cincinnati, uh, right. It just means you, you won half the trophy because, Cincinnati is just doing what the union is doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have U- Union, Union Midwest, and Nashville at the top of the, the Eastern Conference right now. All right. Let's um, just real quick break down the next game that's in front of us San Jose. Um, what do you expect out of this San Jose game, a matchup, things like that? And also, uh, any predictions you would like to give? I expect something stupid to happen. Oh yeah, West Coast <laughs> soccer. I Are am you kidding now, me. Yeah, ten thirty at night, Joe. You know, once the clock strikes midnight, it's just gonna get wild. The the target demographic of our our union fans here. I, I assume some of you are, are old and tried and true MLS fans. Some of you are not. Some of you have, have jumped on the bandwagon, not bandwagon, but have have become. <laughs> Oh that, wow! That's good. Yeah, Way I know. To alienate sounds... our, our fan base <laughs> here, Joe. You bandwagoners! <laughs> um, you've jumped into soccer more and more recently, or, or MLS as a whole. Um, the San Jose Earthquakes will always have a, a spot in my heart, and those of you who have followed me on Twitter for years know that. Um, Chris Wondolowski, Stephen Lenhart, and Alan Gordon, uh, affectionately known as the Goonies, were one of the best trios in, in MLS history, and all they did was score goals in like the 85th minute beyond. It, it was just like literally like clockwork. Um, so it just, I've for a decade moved on from that now. Um, I still think games in San Jose are weird. <laughs> just like weird things happen and, and that's it. That's the only thing that happens in San Jose. Um, but they've, they've improved greatly under Gucci Gonzalez. Uh, I can still make the case that Jeremy Abobase is one of the, the top young American top just American strikers in MLS and the results show Christian Espinosa has been one of the most underrated playmakers in major league soccer over the last five years. Uh, the reason why he wasn't getting much attention is because San Jose sucked and they play on the West coast plain and simple. Uh, he's put up fantastic numbers, uh, the new head coach, um, no Jamiro Montero, uh, for San Jose. I'm not going to lie. Kind of forgot about him. Um, <laughs> Jesus, not gonna lie. Hey, I, like, oh wow! They, look, he's for the San Jose. I, or Montero, dude. What did he ever do to you? Nothing. It's just he plays with the San Jose Earthquakes. 
how how many you don't watch many, many San Jose earthquake games? I cannot say I've religiously watched the San Jose earthquakes this year. Nice. Um, and I don't think anybody else can can say differently. Um, he is under international duty with Cape Verde. Um, Cade Cowell, we'll see how if if he plays any minutes off the U twenty World Cup, just like the Union's U twenties. I would think it'd be an easier recovery process for him. Uh, he's one of the best young American players out there. Uh, may not be in San Jose much longer. Uh, kind of like how Jack McGuinn might not be in Philadelphia much longer. Um, but yeah, they're, they've improved a lot. They'll give the union a challenge. Um, I'm pretty sure I just recited everything Jim Curtin has told his team. <laughs> you um, listen to too much Jim Curtin. I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving like Curtin like tendencies in the, the pre, pre-match preview now. <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, that's, that's what you get. I think, um, I think he'll start McGlynn. Uh, I think then the midfield is going to be so fascinating to watch now, like from this point on until time Damian Lowe gets back from Golden. Now Lowe is not leaving after this game. I don't know if it's, they've released them for the friendlies, but I, I would assume I'm just operating on the assumption Blake and Lowe are gone after this game for at least a month. So I, I, you're not going to see any drastic formation changes here, but which personnel start in those spots um, from a union perspective will be interesting to see. Um, and then it comes down to I mean, the midfield battle uh, internally for the union is going to just be so fascinating to watch. And it's a good thing. It's a very good thing. Um, but yeah, that, that to me is going to be so fascinating to watch over the, the next month. All right, Joe. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. We covered uh, just about it all with MLS, and it's uh, it's going to be a fun ride. So I, I'm not sure what you were expecting this summer. I don't know if you were expecting the summer of Messi, even though it's probably not going to be mostly a summer of Messi. It's going to be like end of summer with Messi, right? When, it's going to be an early fall of Messi. Yeah, early fall. <laughs> yeah, this isn't going to be the summer of soccer. It's just going to be the, no, no. the early fall. And the early fall of Messi sounds like he's just going to fail spectacularly. So, <laughs> uh, well, we went over all things Messi, and uh, yeah, it's going to be quite the fun summer here with the Union, and what a tough stretch coming up. So it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and obviously break down as well, which you can do here on the Union Soccer Podcast. Find us wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Google, uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. That's where you can find and download the Union Soccer Podcast. Make sure you do that. Wherever you can rate us five stars, please do so. We would appreciate that for uh, being your resident Union Soccer podcast here. Also, subscribe to the unionsoccerblog.substack.com. Joe has awesome stuff over there. I've been seeing articles posted, and I try and retweet every single one that I see. Uh, really great stuff. Joe does a great job, obviously, and also does a great job hosting, co-hosting this program as well. You can follow him at jtanzy90. You can follow me, John Jansen, at jjansen34. We'll be back next time with more Union Soccer right here on the Union Soccer Podcast.